All right, Attorney Chuck Shire here. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we're going to talk about the sentencing hearing. And the sentencing hearing is a very crucial um, aspect of handling a criminal case that I think is oftentimes ignored. Um, and, and really, it shouldn't be because it can be one of the most important um things that you can do for a client, that one of the most important aspects of handling a case for a criminal defendant. Um, let's first sort of dispel some of the myth that I think some people have with regards to criminal defense attorneys. And, and I, any criminal defense attorney has fielded this question, and it goes somewhere along the line of, well, how do you represent um people that you know are guilty uh, how could you do that or they might ask well, do, do you think any of your clients have ever gotten away with something or um, you, they might use the phrase gotten off or, or something like that I think what, what a lot of people don't realize that um, while clients do go to trial and 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 uh, sometimes win um, that sentencing, uh, whether it's um, through a guilty plea or ultimately at a sentencing hearing, is the statistical most likely outcome of a criminal case. That isn't to say that that uh, defendants do not get overcharged or charged with crimes that, that the state simply cannot prove um, and that you can go to trial and have somebody fully acquitted. But that is not the typical Outcome. The typical outcome is someone is charged and uh, they're ultimately sentenced, and either that's through a guilty plea or a sentencing hearing. Now, in in Illinois, you can look at criminal cases uh, going into a couple of different avenues. Uh, number one, maybe the case will get dismissed, and the case might get dismissed because you're able to develop evidence as the criminal defense attorney to show the prosecutor that uh, it's a weak case and it, and it shouldn't have been uh, charged. It might also get dismissed because evidence was collected illegally. So some type of Fourth Amendment motion was filed. It limits the amount of evidence that the state can use, that the government can use. And so then the prosecutors reevaluate their case and, and they may ultimately dismiss it. It may be dismissed on purely legal technical grounds in that it was charged inappropriately, or um, they, they stated a, a, a charge that, um, that was not factually sufficient. But those are not the, the, the typical route. The typical route is that a defendant um, ultimately is going to either plead or go to trial. Uh, when they go to trial, they're either found not guilty or guilty. If not guilty, then they go home and they're free. So under those remaining two options, whether they enter a plea or they go to trial and are found guilty, you find yourself at a sentencing hearing. And a sentencing hearing can go a couple of different ways. You could have a sort of a contested sentencing hearing, which is the majority of them. Um, well, let me back up. I don't think that's actually true. I think the majority of sentencing hearings are fully negotiated uh, sentencing hearings where the state and the defendant, through 
respective lawyers are presenting a uh, potential plea deal to the judge. And so that's one thing that the, the public may not fully appreciate and understand is that when you submit a plea a proposal to the court, the court doesn't have to accept it. They are there to see if it is, um, is fair, uh, considering a, a number of different factors. So, um, but typically the courts will approve something that the government and the defendant have come to them and asked to be approved. So absent that, so absent your case being dismissed for some unusual re- reason, that's not as likely. Absent you going to trial and winning at trial, absent that there's going to be some type of sentencing because you were found guilty, uh, either you entered a plea or um, you you lost a trial. Now, different there are different pleas to consider. There's a fully negotiated. I've touched on that briefly. That's where the, de- the defendant and the government come forward and they say, hey, judge, we've agreed to six years in prison. Um, there's another type, which is called a partial plea of some sort. And that is where, or another phrase is called a cap plea, but under a partial or a cap, the maximum uh, term of incarceration is reduced in some fashion. And actually, it doesn't even have to be the maximum term of in incarceration. It's just any aspect of an eligible term is reduced. So let's say the maximum fine is $25,000. You could, you could partially cap the fine so that it can't exceed 5000 or something like that. So it's where the government and the defendant agree that the, the defendant's going to enter a plea of guilty, but the, the parties have agreed to reduce the maximum exposure of the um, available sentencing ranges. And then you proceed to a sentencing hearing and the, the judge makes that decision. The final aspect of, or the final option, would be the open plea the naked plea or the bare plea. Um, this is the, the plea where the defendant goes in, pleads guilty, and just says, Judge, you're going to have to sentence me because I can't agree with the state as to what my sentence ought to be. Um, so in both the partial plea and the open plea, in those two instances, your lawyer um, will do a lot of service in preparing that sentencing case. So that sentencing hearing is going to have a couple of different stages to it. Um, The first part is is that the the judge is going to make sure that all the parties are on the same page as to the sentencing range. This can get complicated if, let's say, there's extended term sentencing or you're dealing with um, a class two felony or class one felony where the sentencing range is going to be class X because of priors. Um, It could have something to do with, let's say, a sex assault where someone has to do 85% time or um, something like that. So anytime there's an enhancement or something different about the sentencing range, this early part, this early phase of the sentencing hearing 
where the judge is trying to determine if all the parties are on the same page with the, uh, the, the sentencing range. This is critical. This is sort of an important area because you don't want the judge um, issuing an illegal sentence. You'll just be right back where you started once the, uh, the appellate court uh, undoes it. So um, there's that aspect of it. Then there is a, uh, a part where the um, judge is going to ask if the parties received a pre-sentence investigation. Typically, a pre-sentence investigation was ordered. Probation prepares that report. Probation would have met with the defendant, asked a series of questions, and done some research. They'll do research into their uh, family background, their work history, their education, their health. Um, they'll look at their criminal history. They're going to look to see if they have any probation violations, pretrial services violations, parole violations, all kinds of different things. They're going to look at their total history. What they're doing is creating sort of a background so that the judge has a report or a dossier or something on the uh, defendant a little bit more than the lawyers just arguing about it. It, it. it allows the judge to humanize the defendant a bit and to um, put things in context and understand a, a background. The judge is going to ask if there are any objections or additions, subtractions, anything that, that pre-sentence investigation needs to be modified. And this is where your, your attorney will have had an opportunity to take a look at it um, and will have proposed some additions or subtractions or corrections. Perhaps this uh, pre-sentence investigation indicates that uh, you um, were not employed and in fact you were employed. Or perhaps it says that um, you dropped out at, at a um, junior college and never obtained a, a degree and that's inaccurate. So this is an opportunity to clarify all those different things. Uh, it might also say that, um, you know, you were not successfully discharged from a prior probation. Um, again, this is an opportunity for your attorney to clarify what happened. And so you're saying to the judge, judge, I, I have a correction or I have an addition or a deletion. The judge will consider those. And then once that's done, then the judge and all, all the parties decide, okay, uh, we all agree as to what the sentencing range is. We now have a revised pre-sentence investigation. It's time to move towards sentencing. So the, the judge then will give the government an opportunity to put on a case in aggravation. In other words, they can put on witnesses about aggravation. There are factors in aggravation under the law, just as there are factors in mitigation. The word aggravation just means that um, it's a different degree of seriousness of the offense. And so the government gets an opportunity to explain to the, to, um, the judge that, hey, look, this offense is more serious. It's more serious because of A, B, or C. Or judge, um, I want to put on a victim to testify on how this crime has significantly altered their life. The, um, any witness who takes the stand is subject to uh, a direct and, and a cross. Um, then once that's done, the defendant gets to put on their own 
witnesses. So the state puts on witnesses with regards to aggravation, and, and that's formal evidence. And the defendant gets to put on formal evidence regarding uh, mitigation. And this, these are witnesses. I mean, and it could be, it could be your boss. It could be your grandma. It could be your basketball coach. It's all people who could perhaps talk about your attitude and your character or put some type of historical event in your life into perspective so that the, uh, the judge can better understand it. Um, once all that is done, there are arguments on both sides. The government gets an opportunity to argue the factors in aggravation and make a recommendation as to what they think the, the sentence ought to be. And then the defense gets to argue the factors in mitigation and make a recommendation as to what they think the uh, sentence ought to be. After all of that is done, the defendant then gets his opportunity to address the court. Um, you don't have to do it. A defendant does not have to do it. They don't have to say a word. Or they can, um, in fact, tell the judge that um, they're sorry um, they can explain why certain things happened and try to talk about, um, their plans for the future. And I, you know, I, I've seen this done uh, very well and I've seen this done very poorly. Um, I think on average, most judges want to hear from a defendant. It, you know, a defendant does not have to make a statement of allocution, does not have to do it, but I think most judges want to hear from them. And when they do hear from them, they really want to hear them hear them take responsibility, um, show remorse. They want them to be humble. They don't want them to be arrogant. They don't want them to be accusatory or, or uh, uh, shift the blame. And then I think it's also very helpful for a defendant to apologize to his family, explain his support structure that he has, that his, his family's there, and talk about his plans for the future, that he has hope, um, that not only does is he um, remorseful, he understands that he needs to be punished, he accepts that punishment, but he has hope for the future. And, I, you know, it, he hits on some of those types of themes um, but does not blame victims, does not blame the system, does, is not rude, arrogant, defiant. I don't think any of those things help. Um, then the judge considers all the factors and will announce a, uh, announce a sentence. Um, it's at this point, after the sentence is announced, the um, defense lawyer can ask for a couple of different things. There might be a clarification. Okay, um, sometimes these judges speak quickly or not clearly, and the defense lawyer needs to make sure that everyone understands what the terms were. The prosecutor is probably going to fill out the order, and the defense lawyer needs to check the order to make sure it accur is accurate, really, accurately reflects what the judge just said. Um, sometimes the uh, defendant needs to sign off on certain things, for example, if there's terms of probation or, or, or something like that. Um, and there may be a request for a report date, uh, staying the mitimus. Some judges just simply will not do it. Others will. And you might have a situation where 
Um, you know, maybe there is a child going to be born in the next couple of weeks, or there's an important surgery, um, or maybe it's just not a real serious offense, but you're still going to do a little bit of time. And you're asking the court for an opportunity just to make sure you got all your affairs in order. Uh, you know, most judges are going to give you a little bit, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. But I think, you know, once you get any further than that, um, they're going to get a little nervous. Judge is going to give the defendant their appellate rights and, uh, you know, r remind them that um, within 30 days they have to file a motion to withdraw their guilty plea. Now, the defense attorney can, in that time period, file a motion to reconsider the sentence. Um, and if that is done, then the motion to withdraw the guilty plea would be done 30 days after that is heard. So in any event, I hope this has been helpful. Again, my name is Charles Shire over at Shire & Ritchie in East Peoria. We do uh, felony criminal defense. And uh, if you need to get a hold of us, 309-839-2024 or on the web at uh, www.srtriallawyers.com. Take care and be safe out there.